The following is a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society. What is the history of Lordship Salvation? Is this a recent development? Where did it come from? According to the Bible, does Jesus need to be Lord in order to be Savior? There's a discussion about these questions straight ahead. We hope you'll stay tuned. This is the Grace Evangelical Society's broadcast podcast ministry called Grace in Focus. Welcome. If you want to learn more about us, you can go to our website, faithalone.org. We have thousands of articles there about the free grace position. We also would invite you to subscribe to our YouTube videos. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, you'll find them at YouTube Grace Evangelical Society. Once again, our website is faithalone.org. Now with today's question and answer discussion, here are Bob Wilkin and Dave Renfro. David, I believe you've got a question from Steve. Uh, Steve has a very short but very interesting question. It's based on church history. And he says, where did Lordship Salvation originate and how long has the church been teaching it? Okay, that's a really good question. And David, maybe you can look up Genesis chapter 3, because I think in the opening verses of Genesis 3, we get the beginnings of Lordship Salvation. But let's talk, first of all, about the name Lordship Salvation. The first time I remember reading it, I was working on my, I believe it was my master's thesis, Mm -hmm. and I came across an Eternity magazine article from September of 1959 in which Everett Harrison from Fuller Seminary was having a written debate with John Stott, a famous Anglican theologian. Mm -hmm. And the title of the article was, Must Christ Be Lord to Be Savior?, And Stott was arguing yes, and Harrison was arguing no. And in that article, they talked about the expression lordship salvation. Now, did that expression exist before 1959? I don't recall. I don't either. But I would say it's a relatively new expression. But now the theology, in my opinion, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. What what did the Satan say to Eve? After the woman quotes God has said, you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not touch it lest you die. She added, nor Let, touch and it. lest you die or touch it. Right. You know, she added that to what the Lord said. But uh, now the serpent or Lucifer you, directly contradicts God's right. word. You will not certainly die for God knows that in the day that you eat it, that your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So, you know, why do you need God? Right. So in essence, this is kind of an early form of a counterfeit gospel. Oh, yeah. This is an early form of work salvation. You eat this fruit, you're going to be like God. Now, it wasn't the full-blown, you've got to commit your life, and you've got to follow the Lord, and you've got to do all these things. Right. But it seems to me that this was kind of an initial uh, foray into it. But then later on, all the way through the Old Testament, we find people who believe in work salvation or what we would call lordship salvation. Mm -hmm. And the simplest way to see this is in the ministry of Jesus. Did that occur during the church age or during the law of Moses? Law of Moses. Right? Because the church wasn't born until Acts 2. Correct. When Jesus is preaching, he's preaching to Old Testament people. And he's using the scriptures in the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. right? Right. 
Now, the question is, when he was sharing this faith alone message, was he getting widespread acceptance? I would say not. (laughs) (laughs) Can you think of a verse that says that most people rejected what he was saying? Most in Israel were rejecting that? Especially the leadership. Right. The Jewish leadership, they just came unhinged. They wanted to kill him. Oh, yeah. In fact, they ultimately did. They did. But before that, they wanted to kill him based on what you read in the gospel several times. Yeah, yeah. In John 1, 11, he came to his own. Yeah. And his own received him not. Right. Yeah. Most people didn't want to stone him, but they still kind of looked at him as a weirdo and rejected what he had to say. So when Jesus is proclaiming the message of John 3.16, people are countering with, no, no, you've got to be committed. You've got to be obedient. Well, in that Jewish environment, you've got to obey the law. You've got to keep the law. Mm, yeah. Remember they kept asking him, what are the greatest commandments? Right. Because they're fixated on the law. Right. And legalism. Now, how about Paul in his letter to the Galatians? He says that these Judaizers, these people who were saying, yes, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. He's saying that these Judaizers were proclaiming a false gospel, Galatians 1, 8, 9. And what was that false gospel? According to 5.4, you're seeking to be justified by works of the law. If you follow the law... You'll go to heaven. Yeah. That's what they were teaching back then. Right. And that's what Jesus strongly objected to. And essentially, that was lordship salvation. Mm -hmm. Oh, we might say it's slightly different, but the truth is it was essentially lordship salvation. Well, lordship in the sense of, well, I would call it works salvation. But I would call lordship salvation works salvation. It's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Just a quick word here about our online seminary. It begins again in February for the spring semester. Classes are free if you maintain a 3.0 GPA. We offer an unaccredited MDiv degree. And this spring you'll find classes on Bibliology and Ecclesiology with Bob Wilkin, Second Semester of New Testament Greek, New Testament Survey, Old Testament Survey, Soteriology, and Logos Bible Software. To register and for more details, go to gesseminary.org. Now let's return to our topic of the day. And how about in early church history, the church fathers? When we read the church fathers, we find that to a man, they lost the concept of grace. See Thomas Torrance's book, The Doctrine of Grace in the Apostolic Fathers. Mm -hmm. They all spoke of works or lordship salvation, and that came all the way to the Reformation, Well, guess what happened after the Reformation? It wasn't long before the followers of Luther and Calvin were teaching lordship salvation. Calvin was not a Calvinist. He wasn't. But their disciples took it way beyond. And once again, I'll use the word imported other ideas from the world. I think that's the number one danger of the church, even today, is importing ideas, philosophies from the culture to define what Christianity is. But isn't that what Lordship Salvation does? It's been doing it for centuries. Yeah, and so Protestants have not completely rejected what Catholicism was saying or what Orthodoxy was saying. Some of it, yeah. There's a bunch of it, especially in the area of salvation. It's scary to see how that has dissolved back into essentially a Catholic point of view. Yeah, so coming back to Steve's question... Where did Lordship Salvation originate, and how long has the church been teaching it? The church has been teaching it since the very beginning, at least since the age of the apostles. 
And in terms of where did the expression originate, I'm not sure, maybe around 1959. But the basic doctrine has been around for a long time. Long, long time. And in my view, Satan has many different ways in which he's trying to keep people from being born again, yeah. right? It says he snatches away the seed lest they should believe and be saved, Luke eight twelve. Well, I think one of the ways he does it is by making people very religious within Christianity. The other way he does it, and a friend of mine said this one time, he said, it can be 95% truth. Look out for the 5%. Yeah, you just add a little strychnine to water, and it's no longer good for you. Right. What you've done is polluted the pure teaching of the Bible. When you add stuff from the world, some philosophy, you have a perverted biblical teaching that tries to conform to the Bible plus that philosophy. And that's where everybody gets into trouble. I mean, you can see that pattern in church history. I'm a history buff, so I can see this clearly in the church. Even today. But the good news is we have the opportunity to be found faithful. And that's what we want to do. We want to cling to the Lord, cling to his word, cling to his gospel, hold fast to the true message, and we'll be lights in the darkness. And we have to guard ourselves from being swayed by teachings that might not, they sound great, but they're 95% truth. Yeah, we need to hold fast to the 100% truth. Exactly. All right, I think you got also a question from A.B. A long time ago, she got saved but was deceived into believing the Calvinist works-based theology. And she says, and I think this is an interesting phrase, it ended up leaving her life in shambles and misery. Mm. And then her question is, does my lack of doubt at the time and things that happened to me at the time mean I believed in Jesus? Question mark. I would feel so much better if at least I knew I believed then but I don't want to base my assurance off my experience. Yeah, that last part, I don't want to base my assurance on my experience, is such a good comment. That's very profound. It's profound. What we want to base what we believe on is the Word of God, not our experience. And uh, we, you know, the old way of doing it was we interpret our experience in light of Scripture. Now, people interpret Scripture in light of our experience. (laughs) That's a problem. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so what's inspired is Scripture, not our experience. So my answer to A.B. would be what I tell everyone, and that is, in order to have assurance today, you have to believe today. It doesn't really matter if you had assurance 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you know the exact hour and minute and day, month, and year, mm-hmm. that doesn't do you any good for assurance today. Right. Let's say you remember having no doubts, like she said, mm-hmm. back in 1972 when I came to faith, mm-hmm. but today I have doubts. Today I no longer am convinced that simply by faith in Jesus I'm eternally secure, so I'm wondering where am I going when I die. Well, I wouldn't have assurance because I can remember something in the past, mm-hmm. My assurance today is based on what I believe today. And what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Do I believe it or don't I believe it? So the key, I would say, is don't worry about when you first believed. You can't change that. Right. Just stand fast on the truth of God's word Mm -hmm. and what you know to be true. John 3.16 is true. If you're one of the whoever that believes in him... 
then you'll never perish. You have eternal life. It's really that simple, A.B. Yeah, the John six forty seven. He who believes in me has everlasting life. Present tense. I mean, why? I came up with a question. What's this profound question? Why isn't what Jesus says good enough? I mean, can you, <laughs> can you shout that from the rooftops? Why isn't it good enough? Or why does it need <clears throat> further explanation? Yeah. You know, it's... Why uh, do we need to correct him? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, that's well, what, what you would... really meant to say was right. Haven't no. you heard people say believe doesn't really mean believe? It means commit, obey, uh, persevere, right, right. submit. Well, the Greeks would disagree with you because the Greek word does mean simply to be persuaded. Amen. That something is true. Amen. Well, thank you, uh, Steve. Thank you, AB, and thank you all. And remember, keep grace in, in focus. focus. We would love to know where you are when you are listening to us. Please take a short minute to send us the call letters of this station and the city where you are listening and how many times a week you listen. Thank you. You will be helping us with our stewardship. Send it to radio at faithalone.org. That's radio at faithalone.org. We are so thankful for our financial partners who keep us on the air. Every gift is tax deductible and very much appreciated. If you'd like to find out how you can give, go to faithalone.org. On the next episode, a question and an answer about rewards and how or why we will or won't receive them from God someday. Hope you'll join us again. Until then, let's keep grace in focus. The proceeding has been a listener-supported ministry from the Grace Evangelical Society.